part two of episode four of the In The Pocket podcast. I am your host, Kevin Chip Ginyard. I am happy that you all took the time to hang out with me tonight. Uh, we're going to pick up right where we left off with the iconic, legendary musician, drummer, producer, uh, educator, and father. This is a special Father's Day edition. Uh, my guest has toured the world with some of the most amazing artists that you can ever imagine. Um, he is a kind man. He is a well-versed individual, and he's a super humble taking time out of his busy schedule to come out and hang out with us tonight. He's going to tell us his story on how he sustained a career of 30 years in the music industry. And he's still working, y'all. He's still working. He's out here doing his thing. He just came back from Europe. He has shows lined up all weekend. He is one of the most sought after and respected men in the industry. So I'd like to bring to the stage my friend, my brother, Mr. Little John Roberts. Hey! hey. Welcome, bro. Thank you so much. We're here for part two. Part two, man. We're back. <laughs> We're back. We're back. Um, I'm so grateful that you took this time to hang out with us, man. Um, I don't uh, think of it as a small thing at all. You know, you, you took time out of your schedule to, to hang out with us and uh, gave us a chance. And your support means everything. So thank you, bro. No problem, bro. You know, Let's I get right into you. it. Yes, yeah, sir. Man. Let's get right. Let's get right into it. It's game night. You know, it's game six and, you know, Warriors. Who you got, the Warriors or, or Boston? Oh, yeah, I'm, I'm definitely going Warriors. Even though Warriors. I'm in Boston every week, like, right. I got to think about Boston, man. I got a love-hate relationship with that yeah. city. So I can't stand Boston. <laughs> Even though I got green on, it's not for the Celtics. i tell you that much. <laughs> yeah, you might need to change that, bro. <laughs> put a blue one on. <laughs> I'm definitely mixing Yankees all day. I'm not a, a Boston guy at all. But uh, shout out to the Warriors. Hopefully they pull it out. Game six play may show up tonight. So we'll see. Hey, it's been a good, you know, season with those two. So, yeah, it's, it's a nice lineup with, you know, those two against each other. Absolutely. But, yeah, I think I think Curry and them going to take it tonight. I think so. I think the, they're, they're chilling the champagne as we speak. Right. <laughs> <laughs> That's what's up. So uh, for those that are new to the show, um, being in the pocket means finding your groove. It means staying in tempo, following the groove of instrumentation that when you're performing. And so we want all of our guests to come on and provide insight on how to find your niche and stay in the groove. And you, John Roberts, have found your groove in your niche and you have stayed in the pocket and you have been consistent for these last 25, 30 years, man. So we're going to just get into it and talk to you and see, uh, pick your brain about how you had a successful career in, in music. So um, let's get right to it, man. Um, Consistency. Consistency, yeah. That's, that's, what's, the, that's, that's what's the biggest up. word right there. Consistency. Yeah. Staying yeah. consistent in what right. you're doing. Like, you know, I, I know a lot of musicians and some of them are very consistent and then some of them are very inconsistent. Yeah. It's like, you don't know what to expect from one day to the other with some people. It's like, yeah. you don't know if they're going to show up. Mm. You know, it's, it's a lot of stuff like that, man, that people take into consideration when they think about hiring you. You yeah. know, when they say Chip, you know, how do you feel about getting Chip? Like, what's his reputation been like? Right. You know, how's his playing? Of course. Yeah. You know, yeah, how's, yeah. His, how's his personality? That means so much getting along with people. We talked about that the last uh, episode. Absolutely. So what's the character versus skill ratio? What do you think that is? Man, I mean. Because there's a lot of players out there that are incredible, but they're jerks and not timely people. Not They don't honor time. They're not dependable. Man, I think it's more on the on the on the dependable and per personality side that wins more than just the talent. You know, yeah. of course you got to play. That's of course that's part yeah. of it. Got to do the um, job. First things first. But are you a nice person? Are you cool? Are you can you get along with everybody else that you're working with? Like, 
are you a diva or do you show up late? Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, so I'd say, man, 70, 30. Yeah, 70, 30. <laughs> you know, okay. 30 is the plan and then the 70% is the uh, all the other stuff that come with it. Yeah, because you have to be able to interact with these people and get along. And you don't do a Janet gig for 25 years if you don't have that camaraderie and that, that honor. Let me tell you something about Janet. Okay. I had a tech, and I'm not going to mention his name. Okay. Um, but he came in, you know, the last run that I had with Janet was 2016 to 17. And um, in that time period, like, you know, she had gotten pregnant and all that kind of stuff. So in the beginning part, I had my regular tech, Kenny Sharitz, who mm-hmm. was always there. And then Kenny had to leave for some uh, medical reasons. So I needed somebody in there in the meantime until Kenny got better or whatever. And so I pulled somebody else in. I said, I'm going to give you a shot. Come on in. He's never done a huge tour like this before. So I'm just like, hey, man, just follow my lead and stay out the way. Just do the drum business and get out the way. You know, do that and just disappear if you got to. Mm -hmm. And she came to me one day and was like, "Um, how well do you know him? You know, just mm. talk about the tech that I had. And I said, I know well enough. You know, she was like, like, how well? Mm. You know, and I was like, well, you know, I know him enough, but I don't know everything about his life and all that kind of stuff. And she was like, okay. I said, why? You, do you have any issues or anything? She was like, uh, he seems a little weird to me, you know. Wow. And that right there said enough to me. You know, she's uncomfortable, clearly. Yeah. And I said, well, if you feel some kind of way, you know, I'll get somebody else if you don't feel comfortable with him. And she just, cause she's not the type, you know, she's, no. she's not just going to be, ah, get rid of him. She was like, yeah, I don't think he's going to work. And I was like, wow, done. And done. I made a phone call right after that, got somebody else in there. What I found out later on was that he was kind of like a little creepy, creepy backstage, you know, like yeah. his eyes wandering around, you know, a lot of things happen backstage. Like, I've seen Jan, you know, almost half naked in, right, in her in her, uh, in her little room where she changes clothes and stuff. You know, I'm not going to be just staring at her while yeah, she's taking her clothes off, you know. And she right. knows that. We have that trust with each other. So, Absolutely. you know, even though I might see a silhouette of her taking her clothes off, I'm, I'm not focusing in on that. You no. know, I'm handling my business and let her handle hers. So little things like that mean a lot, man. So. Yeah, he he had to go. <laughs> yeah, so I mean, I think it's a thing with social media right now as well. I I talked to, to Dwayne Wright yesterday, DW, and he was telling me, you know, there's some people that are creepers and they're taking pictures and like, what are some things that people, or how can you prevent, you know, not crossing the line? I guess just, like you said, just stay in your lane, right? Do your job and that's it. Don't, Don't be a creep. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Do your job. If you see something that you probably shouldn't see, yeah. turn the other way, you know, like, right. Don't don't focus in on it. Don't, you know, ponder in it or on it or anything like that. Like we're a family on tour. So it's like we got to protect each other. So and reasons like that, for instance, is where, you know, you just got to like whatever feels wrong. Don't Mm -hmm. do it. Don't do it. Right. (laughs) Trust is everything. Right. And this is your reputation and you have your name is all you have. And she sees everything. Uh, artists like her, you know, Prince, yeah. same thing, like all of them, even though they don't look like they're paying attention, they're they are everything. paying attention to every little thing you're doing. You know, uh, so I mean, you don't have to be on pins and needles, but just right. be cool. Yeah. Do your gig. Be nice. You know, handle your business and, and keep it moving. That's awesome. Let's, so let's talk about life on the road. So uh, you've been doing this for a long time. Do you have a pre-show ritual? 
Pre-show ritual, stretching. Okay. Um, you know, of course, drummers, we go and play on the pad and something like that. You know, like mentally, up. I try to prepare myself because uh, a lot of it is mental versus the mm-hmm. playing part, which is another ratio where we talk about, you know, what's most important as far as, you know, the playing thing is cool. But when you get in front of everybody, it's like, don't freeze up. No, right, exactly. <laughs> you got to stay relaxed and like, you know, just, okay, let me sit in this meditative state kind of thing you know you know you have an important role with the band Mm -hmm. you know a lot of things are relying on you so um i'm thinking about the show as before we go on i'm also praying in in a way you know meditating Mm and i'll do some yoga things like that just to stretch out get get comfortable like it's a lot so when you get on the stage you're already relaxed and and ready to you know to hit yeah, I got. Yeah, I'm you. not. I'm not jumping right on stage and just going right at it. Like, no, you gotta no. get mentally prepared. Yeah, man. Yep. Have you ever had a crash and burn situation early in your career? I'm sure not now because you're a super legend. But have you ever froze up or forgotten anything? Well, that's there's one story that <laughs> you don't have to share it, but just like I'm trying to help the guys to mentally prepare the people. That okay, are well, yeah. I mean, I'm gonna be keeping 100 with you. There okay. was one show that I that I sh- did something that I wasn't supposed to do, shouldn't have done okay. before the show. Um, you know, uh, it had something <laughs> to do with, with a certain substance, of course. You know, yeah. and it wasn't cocaine. It was no, mar- it was not. marijuana. Okay. okay. So I went out with a dancer. We mm-hmm. walking around the venue. You know, we had a, like a few hours before the show, so there's nothing to do. We're just hanging out. Right. Idle time. See. Mm. So I walk around the venue. We smoke some. Yeah. I come back. It's maybe two hours before the show. I'm sweating bullets. I'm wow. like nervous. <laughs> oh my god. And and you know you're you're paranoid because you think everybody's looking at you a certain and way. They, really, they they're know, not. Right. It's just you being paranoid. So I'm thinking everybody's, everybody knows that I'm, mm-hmm. you know, on another okay. level. <laughs> <laughs> right? right. So and I'll never forget this night it was in Chicago at the arena in Chicago. I'll never forget St. Joe's, St. Louis, uh, St. Joe's, Joe Louis Arena or something like Joe that. Joe Louis Arena? Joe Louis Arena. Okay. Yeah. And uh, I don't even think that's there anymore or whatever, but. Is it um, there or Detroit? I can't remember. Joe Louis Arena. I, I thought it was Chicago, but it could have okay. been Detroit. It could have okay. been Detroit. Yeah. One of them. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's showtime. We pray before the show. I'm nervous. I'm like, oh my God, <laughs> I'm still tweaking. You know, tweaking, like uh, yeah. I'm I'm there. Like <laughs> Right, right, right. So we get in the prayer, everybody's looking at each other like game face and everything. Mm-hmm. I'm thinking everybody's looking at me like, what's wrong with you? Like, and yeah. still being paranoid. We get on stage, I count it off, click, click, click. Click, boom, the pyros go off. I'm nervous. I'm like, oh, the lights came off. Boom, it's just like everything, everything was, was intensified. <laughs> oh my God. So I'm playing and I'm looking at my hands moving. Psychedelic, like, bro. <laughs> I feel like they're in slow motion. I'm like, oh, <laughs> oh <laughs> that's my what it God. felt like. And everybody yeah. else is just hype. Yeah. Janice looking at me. She turns around sometimes, like, Gets that face like game yeah. face. I'm thinking she looking at me like I'm messing up. Then all right. she was, doing was just like trying to get hype with me, right. and I'm like, right. <laughs> gas face. It took me a few songs through the set, the top to of the show, off. yeah, to get back to normal again. Man, I was sweating like crazy. <laughs> I was just so nervous. 
And yeah. I thought everybody just knew like John is not here right now, which I yeah. wasn't, but right. I didn't think they knew, but they didn't know. No. It, was, it was all in my head, you know? Yeah. So that was one incident where I, I said, never again. Nah. If, even if I do this again, I'm not right. going to do this before pre-show. a show. No, pre, no pre-show. No pre-show celebrations, right? No, you man. The no, because that's too much responsibility. Yeah. Like, I could fall off the click or something like that. I mean, the yeah. drummer, you know, we are the driving heartbeat. everything. Yeah. The heartbeat. Literally, yeah. So right. take, take that position with respect. Absolutely. For yourself. Yeah. And the people around you and the artists that you're working for. Like, don't right. don't take no chances like that. Got to remain mean, professional and everything, right? Alcohol, whatever. Like, I mean, everybody has their vice. You need to take Absolutely. a shot before you go in or whatever. But don't go on stage drunk and high and all that. Like, no, it's That's not going to serve bro. you. It's not going to serve era, you. Well. You know this era that we're in and these kids are stoners now. And Man. I mean, they, they're, they're playing with high substances and pills and all these other things. So... Yeah, cocaine. They, yeah. I mean, I'm like, wow, y'all really taking it back to the early days, like yeah, for exactly. real, like it's like it's something new. Right. And I'm like, okay, be careful, you know. Right. Yeah. yeah. So that that's good advice, man. I'm glad that we got to hear that from you. Um, you have played with amazing artists. Uh, sometimes getting the call the day before. How do you retain the material? Like, how do you set your mind to retain them? Are you charting? How how are you doing it? That's a good question, Chip. And I know you've been in those situations, too. Absolutely. Um, yeah, like I've gotten calls the day of a show. Can you fly in? Our drummer got sick. I remember coming in for somebody. They, they had like a, a slight heart attack. And um, thank God he's OK now. But, um, you know, I had to jump on a plane. They sent me to uh, a Dropbox of all the music and everything. Right. They sent me the charts, too. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I got a chance to like read the charts as well as I'm listening to the show. This is a live show. So you had to come in there like you had been playing on tour with everybody. Of course, yeah. And I mean, the first song was like 300 BPMs. It was fast. It was for Latifah, Queen Latifah. Wow. Wow. Uh, Live before uh, Until I Die. That was the name of the song. If you go Mm -hmm. listen to it, it's fast jazz. And the chart is complicated. So many (laughs) hits and stuff. I'm like, oh, God, okay. Really tested. So, I mean, yeah. I mean, these are situations where you just got to do or die. <laughs> and the right. key is not to die. Whatever you do. No. You know, Stay it's afloat, funny right? The song is called Live Until I Die. Oh, wow. So I decided to live that day. Yeah. <laughs> but Absolutely. John Beasley was the music director and everything. We had like sort of like a little big band kind of situation. So all the players could play their butts off and can read. So I had to come in like I was playing. I got been rehearsing with them and everything, and been on the road. Can't be the weak link. Ever be the weak link, right? And the first song we did was "Live Till I Die" (laughs) in rehearsal. I'm like, whoa! (laughs) 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 You know, I'm going to live. Do not die. You know, like that. And you're reading double time on the chart the whole way so it's a big thing to read man read them charts like yeah find a way to figure out i mean because i'm not the best reader i've been saying that for years i'm mm-hmm. vinnie caliuta cat like that he Incredible. reads the stuff straight down pretty yeah. much flawless you know that's mm-hmm. how bad yeah. he is but i'm my reading is good enough to get through yeah. the show you know yeah um i make my notes if i mm-hmm. see something that looks a little 
complicated for me, I will slow it down, break it down. If there's somebody nearby that's played it, they could tell me, how does this figure go? You know, I'll make yeah. my notes and everything. And my memory is pretty, pretty high. So yeah. Janet told me I had a brain of an elephant. Wow, good <laughs> She's memory. Like, you, you don't forget nothing. <laughs> She's yeah. like, you remember stuff from 20 years ago. <laughs> you know? how, how much of that do you attribute to growing up in church? Oh, that, I mean, that, you know, that is church. Yeah, yeah. we've been learning the songs at, <laughs> at rehearsal. Absolutely. You know? What's yeah. up, James? James Jackson. I just saw him come in there. He's he's yeah. our music director. What's um, up, James? So, and then James knows too, because like we get cats come in sometimes that's filling in for us, and we know if they listen to the music or not. <laughs> you can tell. You can tell what's my prepared. Yeah. Like, oh man. Okay. You try to seven notes. Get by. You know. <laughs> And right. it, it, but it, it puts people on a certain standard after a while too. It's just like when you come play with these cats, you better know your stuff. Learn the music. Don't learn it the day of. Don't learn it the night before. No. Like James, for instance, sends it, sends it to us a few days during the week. You know. Yeah. Even if my schedule is crazy, I'm still like tapping in on it. Just let me listen to it real quick. I might know right. the song already. Yeah. I program loops on this on, mm -hmm. on my iPad for us to play to. Yeah. So we play at least three songs in service. So. You know, but I, you know, you just get to the point where you don't want to be uh, cramming yourself with stuff. Wait, you're still life. playing in church? Absolutely. Whoa, I didn't know that, yeah. man. Wow. I, yeah, I play Hunter Hill. So James, James Jackson is the music director there. So there's me, there's Larry Wilson, amazing yeah. keyboard and, and drummer. Larry was my MD at Oasis. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, I think he left us to go with, yeah, okay. Mm -hmm. Anyway. Everybody, yeah. left. Everybody left. There is no more. <laughs> Ain't no, no more he here. left us to go with you. Oh, wow. Well, that uh, was only short-lived. Uh, we know, because he's back with us now. <laughs> <laughs> Look, man, I'll, I'll hold back. But, hey, um, man, got to work. Uh, yeah, absolutely, and I respect that. Um, Derek Scott plays guitar with us there. And Trey Gilbert has been on bass with us sometimes. Troy, Jay Troy has been there mm -hmm. with us. Uh, lately, Darnell Stocks has been coming playing oh with us. Boy, Stocks. So we we got a squad, you know. Squad, it's, yeah. it's four of us, you know. Um, sometimes it's just three of us, but um, we all study the music. So when we get to you know the practice before service, mm -hmm. we pretty much just running through you know the, yeah. the parts and stuff. <laughs> James, yep. he's said LOL, <laughs> but he knows. I know. You know, if somebody comes in, filling in, and then they not they didn't listen to the stuff. We all know. You like, can tell oh, when they're not sweet. Right, right, yeah, right. So, I got you. So church is a great uh, practice for mm -hmm. us, you know, like learning stuff at the last minute, learning it right before a recording. Mm -hmm. You know, we coming up with stuff before the uh, doors open, you know. Yep, <laughs> and we going, straight, we going straight to tape in a few, you know. Absolutely, yeah. So that's, that definitely helped me later on, you know, dealing with secular artists. Yeah. Yeah, how that's, to retain stuff. How to retain, yeah. So like I said before, yeah, church definitely prepared a lot of us that came from that situation if we could we can make it through a devotional service playing a song we never heard before you know yeah you playing, got it doc you got it yeah. <laughs> playing organized music is a little easier i understand yeah. that but i do have i do have some methods like for some stuff when you know my dropbox is full every week with different yeah. shows you know so i have to compartmentalize who i'm going to learn stuff of for that week like next week i'm playing with Paul Jackson Jr., Everett Harp, mm. and, and Jeff Lorber. So uh. that show is next weekend after I play with Norman Brown. So I'm flying straight over to Chicago to play with those guys after Norman. Um, mm. So I have to learn all of those those songs. You know, I've never yeah. played with these guys with their stuff mm -hmm. as this band, uh, funk, jazz, 
uh, something they call their, their group. So I've yeah. never played their stuff. So I have to learn that stuff after I said I was going to learn the stuff that I'm doing for this weekend. Yeah. For this um, June team show that we're doing on Sunday. Um, but yeah, I got to compartmentalize when I'm going to learn certain yeah. stuff and that I have a, a method that I do. Okay. Sometimes I might just tap in on a song from somebody else's show just to hear what it sounds like. Maybe listen yeah. to the, uh, the, the edit, you know, um, the sequences that they're playing right. or whatever. I listen to that. Okay. Put that away. And then I'll deal with whatever I'm getting ready to do in the moment. You know, okay, mm -hmm. I got a show tomorrow, so let me gotta focus on that. on those songs, you know, and yeah. just get that roll out. Play them over and over. Mm -hmm. I make notes. I might put yeah. it in my phone. Put notes mm -hmm. for each. I put each song in the notes. Yes, me and too. I put, I, okay, so then I put what's important in there. Like, okay, yeah. big feel at the top. You yeah. know, uh, whatever the middle section. Pay yeah. attention to the ending. Like yeah. I put all of that in I there, do so all I can. Of that stuff. Got you. So we just look at those things to refresh our memory. So mm -hmm. when we sit down, we're not just like, oh, oh what yes. goes here, you know. <laughs> and even sometimes I'll put the phone right there and just cheat while yeah. we're playing. Okay, what's getting ready to happen? If I don't have charts, yeah, I'll just make I'll make a sheet of 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 notes, notes that I need yeah. to follow. You know, for each I mean song. I phonetically spell out the licks. I can't read per se, so okay. I have to phonetically sound out the licks. Ba 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 ba, and I'll I'll type it out. You know, just to, you yeah. Know, ba da ba ba ba. Yeah, I do break, that too sometimes. Yeah, yeah. Break on the floor, push on right here. You know, swell. You know, just to keep myself involved and and remember. You know, the work I did ahead of time. Yeah, whatever it takes for you to yeah. learn to remember. Trey Gilbert is is good at that. Him and Derek Scott, when we when they we all play together, like today we had rehearsal, yeah. and Trey has notes that only he can understand. Yeah, <laughs> I I couldn't give you my notes because you wouldn't understand what they meant. You'd be like, "What is this?" Right. Yeah, I so whatever works for you, that's what you need to do. Absolutely, man. Shout out to everybody that's joined us. We got some people on. Shout out to uh, Keisha Lou Allen and Chris Woods and. Darnell Altman, my best friend. Richie White is on here. James Melton Jackson. What's up, everybody? Thank you guys for joining us tonight. Richard Hanging out White. with a legend, man. We're rocking with a legend tonight, guys. That's my god brother, Richard White. His, his, yeah, dad, Richie. his dad is my godfather. Uh, the, Mr. Clean. The preacher, Mr. Clean, yeah. Him and my dad are tight. Yeah. You, you have know, any Mr. Clean stories from the road? No. I mean, I just knew, like... Just your family. Pops would just whatever he felt he said. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> he didn't he didn't hold back, man. Yeah, and he's just such a cool cat, man. I love him. I mean, Definitely I love him in life. Like I looked up to him since I was a kid, and you know, ever, did, since, yeah. ever since then he's been like a godfather to me. So much love to to big big Mister White, Richie. Tell give your dad my love, man. Absolutely. Um, what are three things that you you carry with you in your gig bag that you have to have with you? Um. Okay, uh, key, mm -hmm. some gels, yeah, um, a metronome. Okay, uh, I got. I still got my old Tamil one that works really well. Okay, and so if I don't have a metronome with me, I, I use my phone metronome. You know, mm -hmm. like drummers, y'all got these times. Like, yeah, like I go out and hear people play sometimes, and I listen to how the tempos that they play the songs from mm -hmm. a cover song or something. Yeah, they might be super slow. I'm like, bro. It's so much faster than that. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. We, like drummers, we got to lock into the tempos of the songs. And I, I'm, I'm a real stickler with that with church or whatever, mm -hmm. any other big shows, whatever. Like I, I talk to the artists. I'm like, is how does that tempo feel? Because once mm -hmm. they let me know, 
I'll write it down. Okay, I'm locking it in right here. It wow. might sweat a little bit. They might yeah, want it yeah. faster or slower, depending on how they feel that day. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. You know, but at least we can have a a, a close proximity of of where the song should feel. You know, because yeah. the artist knows how they want it to feel every time. Anyway, yeah. we just have to almost like think for them. Yeah, you know. So that's in my bag. Um, a towel. Because mm-hmm. uh, I sweat a lot when I play, man. I don't know what that is. It's just, I just sweat. As soon as I sit down, I'm already like, whoosh. Me too. Uh, <laughs> a change of shirt. Mm-hmm. My dad told me that back when I was younger because I used to sweat at shows and like walk around with, with a whole just wet the damn shirt. Yeah. And my dad be like, son, take a change of shirt because you're going to get sick doing that. You know, walking yeah. in the cold after you've been playing. Right. So after that, I, I just remember to always put an extra shirt in my bag, you know, yep, change exactly. afterwards. Um, my computer, um, mm-hmm. my in ears, yeah. Uh, that's a pretty that's about it, right there. That's about it, okay. Um, what genre do you love playing the most because you've done jazz. it all? Jazz, straight ahead, yeah. Straight I ahead mean, that, jazz. that was my second love after gospel. After I left, you know, well, I was in left, left playing church, but once I got into the more professional world, yeah, I was playing a lot of jazz, you know, went Marcellus and and Chris McBride, Joey DeFrancesco, we had a trio together. So I was doing a lot of straight ahead stuff and I'm coming back around to that now. It's like okay. a full circle for me. So I'm playing yeah. a lot more jazz gigs. Dave, David Sanchez, I did something with him not long ago. I just came from Europe working with my buddy, Richie Goods, who's an awesome bass player and Chen Chen Lu, she's a, a vibraphonist. Wow. So I've always wanted to play all styles of music and i think yeah. we mentioned that in the last interview as well i mm-hmm. always wanted to play everything like yeah country reggae brazilian you yeah. know afro-cuban Yo, your afro-cuban stuff is killing right now the stuff you've been putting out oh man i the love videos. that stuff yeah, man. that's so that's that's home for all of us you yeah, know of course um i'm actually looking forward to going to cuba in january i haven't been to cuba ever so this is one of the places nice. on my bucket list um and there's Take some pictures because i heard cuba has like the old cars like they have oh, old yeah. cars um, yeah just stuff. on the street yeah yeah but the players there man yeah that's where you want to go any that drummer rhythm. if you want to experience some real drumming and and rhythm and percussion yeah. cuba is where to go like i mean the kids on the street are playing clave like like yeah. it's nothing oh, so i can't man. wait to go and hang out in that in that environment that's amazing um my wife loves Prince, bro. Like she's. I, I saw her leave someone there. <laughs> she loves Prince. So can you share the story of the 2005 story with Prince? You did yeah. the NAACP Awards. Okay, so I was doing the NAACP Awards already with uh, Ricky Minor, and so we're Shout rehearsing. Yeah, we're rehearsing in um, uh, Center Stage, and mm-hmm. you know, it's got a bunch of stages next to each other there. Yep. So I get a call from Sheila E that week during you know, like early part of the week. And she said, John, um, I want to see if you're available to do this thing with me with Prince. Mm. And I was like, when is this? She was like, yeah. well, he's doing the NAACP awards. And I'm like, I'm in rehearsal right now with the house band. <laughs> like, yeah. Wow. So Already she's did. like, oh, OK, let's see, because she was really adamant about getting me to do this, this show because we had been I've been playing shows with her around that time period too. I was playing in her band and we were opening up for Prince for the musicology tour. Yeah. Um, so we're all in LA and she's like, okay, so you're already in LA. I'm like, yeah, I'm here rehearsing that center stage right now. Mm-hmm. And she's like, okay, we got to figure this out. So she reaches out to Richie, Ricky and mm-hmm. says, 
talks to him about the schedule. Yes. The thing was, she didn't want Prince to know that I was playing in the house band. Because if he, he found that like out, that. yeah. Yeah. Like he's very, you know, not he, he I would say possessive, but mm-hmm. he wants his band to be his yeah, band. Focus and somebody, on his stuff. Exactly. And not somebody yeah. coming from the other band and switching over. So we worked this out that Prince did not find out that I was playing in the house band. I don't know how, because at Soundcheck, he was in the audience sitting out mm-hmm. there, him, Mars Day, and a few of them, they all had black glasses on. And I was playing, rehearsing with Ricky, you know, yeah. <laughs> playing other people's stuff. Like, yeah. And they're sitting there watching this. So I'm like, how he, how does he not see that I'm playing, right? Yeah. Anyway, whatever happened, he did. He, it he was did, too he late by then. He was like, hey, we're here now. Right, because we had already gotten through the whole week of rehearsing. So I, I, skipped, I skipped past this whole story. But so I, um, we worked it out with Ricky. I mm-hmm. rehearsed with Ricky in the daytime. And then at nighttime, I would f- switch over to the other stage and rehearse that's with Prince and them too. That's a lot of music, bro. <laughs> but I had to do it. I was not going to turn that down. No. I'm like, no, hell no. Work through it. I understand. Yeah. Man, yeah. I took all the vitamins and everything that week. I was, <laughs> I was drinking water like crazy. I was like, I am not going to miss out on this opportunity. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. So, Ricky, we've rehearsed maybe 10 in the morning till about five or six in the afternoon, something like that. And then Prince started at around seven or eight o'clock in the, in the evening. And we yeah. go to like maybe 11 or you know, maybe even midnight. Ooh. Every day mm-hmm. we did that. So uh, yeah. in the morning, I'm back with Ricky. Nighttime, I'm over in the other studio with Prince. The funny thing was Prince had a, his other band rehearsing across from us just in case we wasn't hitting right. Y'all wasn't sweet. <laughs> nah, he had John Blackwell, Rhonda, Rhonda um, Smith, John Blackwell. Cat Dyson, I think, well, no, cause Cat was playing with us. So some, there was another guitar player, maybe Mike, um, Mike uh, Scott, mm-hmm. maybe Mike Scott. But regardless, he had them rehearsing the same stuff in another building, in another, you know, rehearsal spot over there. So, he comes in, you know, we all say what's up, everything like that. He knows who I am. I played on Rhonda's record, so yeah. we met years ago, so he already knew who I was. And um, I actually played at Paisley Park for his uh, anniversary Ooh, thing. Talk um, about it. I was there with um, Rochelle Farrell one night, and then the next night I was there with Music Soul Child. Yeah. Which is another story, too. While we were there, Prince took us out one night uh, during the Paisley Park anniversary thing. We all went out. He's like, okay, we're going to a club. We're going to hang out, maybe jam some, you know. um, Name a few songs you played on that show. Okay, I got you, Sherry. (laughs) Um, So we all meet up at this one spot that there's this band playing. We all show up, Jelly Bean, everybody's there. Like Mm. the whole time, everybody's there. It was just like Prince just kind of put a call out. It was like, yo, meet me at such such club. We're going to hang out. Yeah. So music's whole band went down there. It was funny. As soon as Prince shows up, it was almost like he owned the club. He owned the band, everything. It was right. just like, so he made a, a signal. The whole band got off the stage. <laughs> they Whoa. had finished it. They basically stopped their set. They were like, okay, we're going to take a, a intermission, whatever like that. You know, we have some guests in the house, basically. Mm-hmm. So they all get off the stage. And then Prince is like, y'all want to sit in? <laughs> so we go up there. And music's there too. So we we play maybe two or three songs. Prince jumps up there, jams with us too. Wow. You know, that was that kind of night. And yeah. you know, we hung out for a little while, just kind of just, you know, mingling and stuff. 
me and Jelly Bean are good friends. So we were at the bar just talking crap, you know, having a yeah, time. Yeah, yeah. And um, so we went back to Paisley Park again after that. But that was just a side note from side, the Paisley yeah, Park, wow. which was amazing. He had um, uh, Larry Graham, who was like his base idol. Of course. He just had Larry there hanging out with him just to be around so he could just, just take in the knowledge. And, yeah. <laughs> and Larry Graham did a set, did a uh, workshop during the day. John Blackwell did one as well while he was playing with him. Um, John Blackwell went to Berkeley with me, by the way. Wow. Um, so we had a lot of time together and we practiced together and, you know, we were both shedding and stuff, all of that of stuff course. together. Um, so I miss him. Um, but back to the rehearsal. So we rehearse all week. After I go with Ricky, I'm over with Prince. Um, some of the songs that we played was um, Housequake was at the top of the show. Um, you can see this on, on uh, NAACP Awards on in 2005, Sherry, if you want to pull that up, it's on YouTube. And I posted a little piece of uh, the time the other day. Yeah. Um, so yeah, we played uh, Housequake. Um, we played, he, these were, this was like a comp compilation of all the songs he wanted to play, all the artists that he liked. We played a, okay. a Carlos Santana song that he played guitar on, he solo guitar on. We wow. played Glamorous Life for Sheila. Mm -hmm. um, we played um, uh, Moving On Up, who he loves, Curtis Mayfield. We did that with Frank McComb in the show. Frank. And we also did a, a slow song, uh, Aretha Franklin song for Ashley Tamar, who was signed to Prince at that time, too. Okay. Um, what was that song? Um, uh, what's that song? Uh, it's Aretha Franklin song. Y'all will hear it on there. Okay. Uh, so she sang. So Prince gets on Rhodes. He plays another song that he had just written. Mm. By the way, Prince has sent us a demo of the show. He sent okay. us a mock demo of him on an Insonic. I think it was in Insonic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, keyboard. keyboard. Yeah. Like he had the drums. It was like he he programmed the drums. <laughs> I could tell he was just programming it from yeah. his keyboard, you know, with the with the funny splashes and crashes. Yeah, of course. Yeah, he gave you a reference. Right. So he wanted he basically wanted it to us to play it like that. And yeah. he had all the songs, you know, dipped in in the parts like he took wow. samples of the songs. He put the Curtis Mayfield song in there. So he actually was operating as a music director, but he was produced the show, basically. Exactly. It was a wow. 12 minute medley. So all those songs he placed in, in the, um, the whole mock, the 12 minute mock. Another song was um, I don't want nobody to, uh, to give me nothing. That's James Brown song. Boom. Yeah. He loves James Brown, of course. Of course, yeah. Um, I mean, he's patterned a lot of his style after JB. I mean, from the shoes, the dress, the dance, <laughs> that's all JB. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, those were pretty much most of the songs right there. Uh, the I Bird, The mm -hmm. Time, The Bird. Yeah. And, um, so yeah, so we get to the day of the show and I get there early, of course, to rehearse with the band, the house band. And what Sheila and them had set up was for me to, cause they, I don't know who did this. Maybe <laughs> they worked it out for that reason. They put him last. He was oh, the wow. last thing in the show, which was great for me. Perfect, cause I had yeah. already played everything with the house band, with the artists, yeah. everything. I went in the back, changed into the suits that mm -hmm. we were wearing. 
So yeah. I had time to do to change my clothes while they were making this changeover. Somebody yeah. strategically put this together. I yeah. think it's Sheila's doing. It definitely had to be Sheila. <laughs> it's between Sheila and Ricky, I'm sure. Yeah. And the producers, you know, they're mm-hmm. like, okay, well, the drummer's playing with Prince, so we got to make sure we give enough time for them for him to switch and change clothes and all. So, because yeah. I had another set, mm-hmm. uh, set for, for that for that show, you know, for that okay. performance. So I had my regular set with the house band, and I had my other drum set with Prince. Because I had triggers and all that stuff on that kid for as well. Prince, yeah. yeah, which was another thing in rehearsal. At first, Prince was like kind of acting a little funny. You know, he was like uh, telling me things. He was sending John messages to come tell me while we were rehearsing. It, you know, he came over. He was like, yeah, man. He called him dude. He said, dude said, could you play such and such and this? Uh, OK, he came back to me again. He was like, hey, man, dude said, could you put the claps on this? And, the, you know, uh-huh. and then dude put the claps on the stand. And I kept looking over like, Yo, just come to me. I'm like, yo, why can't he just? So by the third time John came back over to me, I said, hey, man, why can't he just say it right to me? Why you got to keep sending you over here? Like, I right. was I was just done. I was like, man, you don't want to just talk to me? And right. then he was tuning his guitar. He was looking down. And he, I see him look up and smile, like laugh. <laughs> and then after that, he started coming over and telling me stuff. Oh, that's amazing. That's a great story, man. Wow. Yeah, man, because. He he loves when somebody you know stands up to him and verse okay. you know somebody's just going do whatever he tells them to do. It's like you don't respect nobody for that, you know. Yeah. So me being who I was, especially back then, I didn't care. I was like, man, Smoke I don't up. care who this is, bro. <laughs> I'm right here. You can tell me exactly what you need, man. Like, come on, stop. Yeah. <laughs> and he giggled out of it, so that was cool. <laughs> that is amazing, man. And that was at the NAACP, was it the Image Awards? No 05, right? Yeah. That's super cool. So um, tell me about, you play with a, another legend, Stevie Wonder. How was yeah. that experience? I mean, we all grew up loving Stevie and vibing to his music. What, what kind of honor was it to actually tour with him? Crazy, man. I mean, it was so much fun for one thing. And musically is some of the best stuff I've ever played. And I mean, playing with George Duke and playing with Prince and, you know, all of this legendary music, Janet with with um, Jimmy Jam and Terry Lewis, that that legacy. Yeah. I've just had had been privileged to have played some really, you know, timeless music, music, bro. Exactly. And so this was the icing on the cake. I was like, songs in the key of life. Mm. Oh, my God. Like Greg Philigans called me. He was like, hey, man, what are you doing? You know, that's how Greg and he was like, well, uh, I talked to Stevie Wonder the other day and, you know, we were discussing about this tour we're doing, we're going to do. And he said, well, he, he wants to go out and do the music of Songs in the Key of Life. And I was like, wow, really? And he was like, yeah, he wants you to play drums. I was like, what? Like, yeah. hold on. Like, uh, Stanley plays in his band, you know? And he was yeah. like, oh, no, no, no. Stanley's going to play too. But we want y'all both playing together, like almost James Brownish, but... Sometimes he'll play some songs and then you can play some songs and then some stuff y'all can play together. We'll figure it out in rehearsal. Stanley I was Rudolph, like, right? let's go. Stanley's my bro. So we figured it out, you know, when we, got to up. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> when we got to rehearsal, you know, me and Stanley got together right away and was like, okay, man, how are we going to approach this? Mm-hmm. And I said, man, let's, let's just play it like the records, man. You know, like this ain't a chop fest, you know, I'm mm-hmm. not trying to compete no. with you or anything like that. You know, we, we understand each other's like, this isn't that kind of party. You know, we got to play this music like the record and keep it authentic. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we decided to take the 
bottom heads off the drums, sure you know, to try to get the, oh. the studiness of everything. And we just really went deep into the vibe of the music. We were and listening the sonics, to right. Yeah, we were listening to the tracks from the album. Like he had he had all the uh, files and stuff from from the from the reels. So we yeah. were listening to stuff, you know, and, and um, we would solo stuff and listen to yeah. him playing drums, how he was approaching it, like his fills and everything. It was so crazy to hear songs in the key of life with all of these separated parts. Stripped you know? down, right? You could, yeah, oh, and because some songs we wanted to keep some of that stuff in there. So we played mm -hmm. to the track, you know, we kept the yeah. click in and we added certain things. Like it might be some fills that we really felt like we got to keep those in there, and, yeah. you know, or some of the percussion or whatever. Like oh, um, man, there amazing. was, you know, we had strings, we had horns, you know, we had two percussionists, two drummers, ba two bass basically, because Greg Fillingains was playing synth bass through the whole thing as he of was course, MD. Yeah. And Nate, Nate Watts, of course, is playing electric bass. So those two, um, you know, you had six to eight background singers, two or three guitar players. Like it was like double of everything, if not Full triple. production. That's yeah, it. it was like 35 of us on stage every night. You know, we, we would get a, um, a, a orchestra, you know, we would get a, um, a string, you know, section in every mm -hmm. city. So they yeah. didn't travel with us, but the band singers, and um, 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 you know some of the texts we all traveled together, yeah. um, but man, like playing in rehearsals with him, it was just so like unbelievable. Like it was hard to believe. Like you're playing this music that you've been listening to since mm -hmm. you were a kid, of course. You know? yeah. And now you're playing it. I had a picture. I, I took a picture, or I had the percussionist was behind me. I mm -hmm. said, man, can you take this picture? I was sitting on my set. And Stevie's right there, like on his piano, you know. Yeah. And I, I send it to you. He mm -hmm. was behind me, and he took the picture. So you see me sitting on the set, and Stevie's yeah. right there, like, uh, you know, right shot. on the piano. Yeah. Some nights, Herbie Hancock will play with us. You know, Chick Corea, <laughs> Chick Corea, and Herbie play with us two nights that I remember. Wow. The L.A. night that we did the um, House Full of Toys, we did one of the shows there for that uh, in Christmas. And um, and then while we were on tour, Herbie and Chick were on tour doing a duo piano uh, gig or whatever city we were that they were in. So Stevie pushed the show back a little bit to make sure that they could make it after they finished their show. Yeah. So they came over. They did contusion. Ooh. You know, Chick played contusion with them um, as I played as and Herbie. That's Herbie on playing the solo on as on the record. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um. So, man, it was just a delight, man. Just seeing people come out in every city. Ray Parker Jr., you know, he's been with Stevie for a long time. Like, they all Detroit guys. Um, just different people coming in in different cities that have history with, with Stevie. Of course. Any interaction amazing. with Stevie? Like, any, any good stuff? Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, all the time. I mean, he's a jokester. He's, mm -hmm. he, he's a prankster. He, he likes... Um, and, and unfortunately, that year, my grandmother had passed away. So... Um, he told me to go, you know, go ahead. Don't worry, you know, go mm -hmm. to the funeral. Actually, it happened. I didn't miss any shows, which actually worked out. I, we had like maybe two days off. Okay. So I went to Philly to my grandmother's funeral yeah. and then I came back and uh, Stevie just hugged me and everything and said some really nice words to me in my ear. And um, that night, man, like getting on stage after coming from my grandmother's funeral, yeah. It was just all coming down to me. Loves and need of love today. That was the first song we played. Oh, I was like, man. I was 
playing and balling like oh. super emotional. Yeah, I can imagine. Bro, I, I couldn't, I could yeah. not help myself. But the yeah. music really helped heal the pain yeah. that I was having at that time with my grandma. So yeah, just that whole show was just you know it it fed a lot to me and being in that um, in that predicament at the time. But yeah, Stevie, man, such a cool cat, man. He's a funny guy. He likes jamming at rehearsals and, and at sound check. You know, we, we're supposed to be going through stuff. He wants to play giant steps and things like that. He's yeah. just like a big kid, man. But super musician, right? Oh man, like still making up songs on the spot. He was like, and he'd tell us to play something, play play this group. You know, and then he <laughs> yeah. he start coming up with a song and everybody falls in and then he starts you know, singing words like yeah. as as we're playing. I was like, yeah. oh my God. Like who knows if that will ever go anywhere if it just went up in the air that day, you know, but that's just how yeah. on it he was, man. Do you think anybody's worthy of doing a versus with him? I don't think anybody's worthy. Hell no. <laughs> <laughs> he would have to do a versus all by himself and just let people come up and sing his songs. Like right. No. Oh, nah, which, which reminds me um, of people singing his songs. We did the um, pre-Grammy award show with Ricky. I don't know if you yeah. guys saw that, but Lady Gaga sang uh, I Wish. Mm -hmm. And in rehearsals, you know, she was just so elated. She was like, oh, my God, I'm, I'm just so privileged yeah. and happy to be playing this music with y'all. You know, she was just really excited about playing Stevie's music. Like, I, I, I just saw the joy in her. You know, yeah. she was trying so hard for her. She's like, am I playing this right, y'all? Am I yeah. cool? You know, yeah. she was just on it, man. I love Gaga, man. She I, That made me love her even more to see her, how the passion was for her, making sure that she played Stevie's music and singing it right. Yeah. And she, you know, she played Rose on the song. Of course, so, yeah. yeah. That's a lot of respect to go into an artist of her stature and then still be humble to come and Bro, play with Stevie, man. It was like, I'm so humbled to be yeah. here with y'all. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> super sweet, sweet girl. All right, so let's play a game. Uh, thank you for sharing those stories, man. That's that's amazing. I hope everybody uh, enjoyed that. That was super dope. Um, we're gonna play oh, a we game. Got one more. I got one more story. Oh, yeah, you. yeah, yeah, yeah. Go ahead. Oh, we could do it after the game if you want, but since we're in the story mode. Let's go. I got a call, late 90s. Um, I was going back and forth to LA a lot because I was playing mm -hmm. on a lot of records in the in the 90s, like 94 to like 98, maybe 2000. Yeah, I was going back and forth like every other week to record records with you know different uh, artists, and um, I'm in LA for like a week or whatever. This time I get home, and we we had those um, voicemail uh, recorders, right? Mm -hmm. Like yeah. you couldn't check your your you couldn't check your messages on your phone back then. Right. You had you had the one that you had to play it and listen back, right? Yeah. Of what, course. Is, what was those called? Answer machine. Answer machine. Oh, <laughs> it took me everything that day. I was like, what are those things called? Answer machine. Yes. Thank you, Chip. I felt yeah, so man. dumb. So good, I get home and I, I press play and I hear my messages and then one comes up. Little John, Mr. Brown wants you to come rehearse with us. Let us know if you're available, man. You know, it was, I think it was Rock, his MD. Uh, wow. I, I'm almost sure, because I've seen Rock not too long ago. We were in the studio together. We talked a lot. Um, but we never talked. I, I didn't mention that to him. Was that you that called me? I think it was him, because he sounds a lot like James like, Brown. Like James, yeah. <laughs> so I called back. He's like, man, 
we called you two days ago. We in rehearsal already. You late. <laughs> so James Brown wanted me to come and fill in for one of his drummers. That Yo. I was so, I was so disappointed. I was like, I didn't get the message till I got home. Like I was in LA, you know, yeah. so I couldn't check the message. And so I was two days late for the, you know, to, to rehearse with them. And, you know, they had to get somebody else. Yeah. Um, but Mousy was playing drums. My, my boy Mousy, who stayed with James for a long time in the last, you know, phase mm-hmm. of, of his career. Yeah. And another guy, his name is Eric. Oh, forgot Eric's last name. And he's going to hate me for this. But Eric was the other drummer. And I think he couldn't make it. So they were like, call Lil John. James Brown saw me and the Chronicle, my band, the Chronicle. He saw us playing at a show in Atlanta one time. We were on the same bill somewhere. I don't know how this happened. What it was like it was almost it was like a banquet party show. But yeah. James Brown was on the show, and we were like the opening group, like to play Whoa. for. So we're playing our set, and I look over to the side, and I see this man going like this with this. A lot of hair, you know, yeah. like black hair. <laughs> and he's just going like this. He had dark glasses on, you know. Yeah. And I look over, I'm like, oh my God, that's James Brown right there. Yo. So he's on the side, just jamming to the chronicle. Like the whole band is right there. Cause it seemed like he had to walk in that way and then go yeah. to his dressing room. Table. Yeah, okay. They stayed right there. The whole band. Heather Hayes was there. She if Heather Hayes sees this, she knows what I'm talking about. Cause she was with them. And oh, I wow. think she might have, have have even told them who we were. Like, you know, oh, that's a little John the Chronicle, whatever. Yeah. He's on the side going in like, y'all kill him, you know? Yeah, so, right. Evidently, he remembered me from that from that show. Get out of here, John. That's crazy. And they all discussed it and was like, get that drummer from Atlanta that's, you know, and from that band or whatever. Wow. <laughs> yeah, man. So just as an example, man, you never know who's watching you. Anytime when you're playing small club, big gig, be prepared for somebody out of the blue to be watching you, you know. Wow. And you never know what opportunity is going to come from it, right? That's crazy. Yeah. Yep. That has so to I be had to let fun. you hear that one. That has to be the most fun gig in the world, though. I can... Doing a James Brown gig. I'm so I sorry. I wanted to play time. that gig so bad, man, because I'm a James Brown fanatic. Me and Chris yeah. McBride, like when we were teenagers, we were. Chris dances. He knows all the James Brown moves. He knows yeah. all the songs. So we would play all the James Brown stuff. Me, him, Questlove, because mm, Questlove was a big Jabo and Clyde uh, fan. And, you know, yeah. Quest, that's his style is, his is style, basically yeah. funky, this funky drummer mixed in with the hip hop stuff, you know, Absolutely. and he'll tell you himself. But he was concentrating on that style back when we were in high school. Mm-hmm. We were swinging and all that stuff, but yeah. Quest was like, yeah. He would get on the drums and start practicing that. Locked. And that was his thing. And, and mm-hmm. when the roots came out, I was like, oh, okay. He took that formula and changed it over to the hip hop sound for the roots. Yeah. That's amazing, man. Great stuff, man. Wow. What a legendary career. What what a legendary time that you you had in this music career that you met these people and come across these these legends, man. That's so dope. Yeah, man. Great stories. <laughs> right, let's, let's play a game. It's called, uh, what song is that? All right, I'm going to play a record, and it's a record you're featured on, and you have to just tell me some backstory about it. Okay. All right, cool. Ah! <laughs> 
what was that? Jesus is the rock. That is Jehovah Chosen, bro. Yeah, man. man. Let's go. Oh, my goodness. That session, first of all, first that was of 99, all. 99, right? 1999. And the drums were in the corner by themselves. And the <laughs> choir was all the way over here, bro. I don't know how I could. I couldn't hear them. Yeah. It was like I heard the band kind of like we we did that so like hood. It was yeah, like I'm sure, yeah. how, we, how we did that record. <laughs> I don't know how we heard ourselves enough because the choir was all the way on the other side and I, I couldn't hear them in my headphones or whatever, whatever we yeah. were using. Yeah. Um, I could hear some of the band because the band was over here, but I was in the corner by myself. So I was just playing, just yeah. hoping everybody was, you know, locking, locking in. Locking in, yeah. <laughs> that was the era where, you know, the drums had to be separated and they were worried about bleeding and all that stuff. So yeah. they wanted to put the drums in the faraway corner. But I, I couldn't hear the choir well enough. I mean, I heard them, but I couldn't hear them like strong. But it turned out okay though. And that was um Junius Bourbon and myself and James Poiser. Um Oof. I think that might have been uh Nathaniel um uh Jethaniel playing okay. bass or that uh um Terry Trippett. Yeah. Yeah, he he was on that session with us too. And of oh, course wow. Jeff, Jeff Brashaw yeah. was playing yeah. trombone. Yeah. Um yeah, man, that that record you got. I mean, if y'all don't know about that record, listen to that whole record. That's Tony Moore and Jehovah's Chosen. Yeah, right. And that was the first time that I had played go-go music, like for real, for mm -hmm. real. Because I was yeah. I was messing around with it. I met a guy in Atlanta that's from DC, my boy Ron Williams, mm -hmm. and he hit me to go-go music. He he, yeah. he took me at his place, and we listened to James uh, um, Chuck Brown and everything. Yeah. Rare Essence, Backyard Band, shouts out to Buggy and all of them. All Buggy, of yeah, shout out Buggy. But that was my first coming out playing like a live gospel record with, with a go-go beat on it. Of course, yeah. You know? And we didn't keep it, at, we didn't have it as authentic as co the go-go guys would have it, like the cowbells. And no, but the, the feeling Congress. was there. The yeah, feel yeah. was there, like, because I was yeah. studying like all the DC guys. Those are my boys. So, of course, you know, the beat is definitely there, but man. And then Spanky took that same beat. Actually, two things happened. Andre and um, Dre and Vidal, they mm -hmm. did It's Love with mm -hmm. Jill Scott. Yeah. From that whole, you know, from us doing the go-go yeah. on that. And then Spanky, in the next generation, played it with Ty and Victory. Ty Trippin' on Victory. Yeah. yeah. If you hear his fills and stuff, it's the same style. That's, that's my little brother. Right. Yeah, that's yeah. amazing, man. That's shout out to y'all for doing that because we had heard of Jehovah's Chosen and that's how we heard of your legend. Like, I, I think that time I was in high school. Um, so we had heard there was no Internet. Like I said before, we could only hear about tapes and, and you know, albums. And, and that's how we heard of Little John on this Jehovah's Chosen record. I actually that's met crazy. Spanky in New York filling in for you or playing the Joe's chosen gig. And that's how I knew. I was like, this is Little John. We were looking, because when we heard we were on the bill with, with uh, Joe's chosen, we thought you were going to be there. Okay. And it was Spank. <laughs> and we were, we were what, 17, 18 years old. And it was, it was the most amazing thing. Because this little dude, he had green hair. And he came in and he was just chopping it up. We had never seen him before. So that was an amazing experience. So did, was, you, did you think ahead. that he was me? No, I we oh, knew that he wasn't you. Okay. Yeah, we we knew he wasn't you because that time 
you were also doing, I think, Velvet Rope was either before that or around the same yeah. time. Yeah. So in the magazines, we knew that you were doing Velvet Rope. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> that's crazy, man. So oh, you got how, me with that one. Yep. So that's how we knew. We, we heard of you. We never saw you. And we were excited that we thought we were going to meet you that night. This had to be 99. To, yeah, around, you were out on the road by then. Wow. But Spank, Spank had already moved up in the ranks and started taking over. And he and was smashing. Was, he was smashing. <laughs> I had never heard anything like that. And he was my yeah. age. So you know how humbling that is when you see somebody your age and he's killing like that. I'm like, I thought I was doing something, bro. And then when he got I said, oh, my God, that, that really changed my life. But that was all from Big Brother passing it on to Little Brother. So that's oh. super dope. Yeah, man. Yeah, that's crazy. Philly. <laughs> Philly, Philly representing. So next, next record, Tay. How advanced were you guys to be doing this stuff in the 90s before like all this fusion stuff? Y'all were bringing fusion and stuff to the church. Talk about that. Well, that particular interlude, I stole that from Mint Condition. Dope. <laughs> Dope. So, uh, yeah, Chris Day was, you know, soloing on that on, on their record. So mm-hmm. I was like, let's do an interlude in the middle of, you know, we were just doing whatever we felt at that time, right. you know. So I was like, man, that'd be cool if we do something because we were playing um something in we were playing something in six already yeah so that was just like the like an opening up drum solo section yeah but yeah we were we were trying to just push the bar man we were pushing the envelope and and trying to do something that hadn't been done in gospel music yet no yeah y'all did because after (laughs) that everybody started being more musical with their approach um shout out to tony moore joe was chosen because they were really the first risk takers in, in that young era of gospel music to to push. If you listen to that album, go listen to the album. It has all different styles of music, like John talked about in uh, the first part of episode four. You know, they were, y'all were doing hip hop, you know, y'all were doing jazz, y'all were doing traditional gospel stuff. Y'all were mixing it all together. And from that original band and original idea, all these other groups followed after and followed suit. Yeah, Ty and GA came after that. You know, yeah. they, were, they were kind of forming around that time already. Yeah. You know, because Thad was playing with us a lot mm-hmm. already. And uh, him and Spanky were hooking up. All of them, you know, it's yeah. like morphing into something else with them. Yeah. So, yeah, that was, Super, that was crazy. And then and when they cool. came out, I was like, oh, my God, what is <laughs> <Yeah>. this? <laughs> yeah, all influential, all, all coming from that that era that you guys started. That's yeah. called John's Lude. That's uh, on the Tony Moore and Jehovah's Chosen album. Our next record, Tay. this. <laughs> <laughs> I 
Stadium. Do you remember this, bro? What was it? Madison Square Garden. Madison Square Garden with who? Yeah, man. That's Velvet Rope Tour right there. Velvet Rope Tour. Yeah, that's amazing, bro. It's funny because still... a lot of cats, you know, say that they they learned that solo verbatim. Yeah, I'm sure. <laughs> I'm sure cats out charting it out and everything. Wow. I came. Up, I came up with that that section, that whole section, actually. That's amazing. Talk to us I, about that experience, man. So that was two nights. You know, that was the best of two nights at Madison Square Garden for that um, HBO special, wow. which changed everything. It for, did. I think that me. was the yeah. first one. I I remember being a little kid, like not a little kid. I was probably eighteen, but I remember that being on TV. Yeah, that, that just really changed the game for a lot of artists that came after Janet. You know, they, mm -hmm. they all wanted to have a show that looked like that. I, I got called to go out with Mary J. Blige. And the first thing they said was, we want to do something like Janet. You know, we mm -hmm. want to, you know, the props and the band, yeah. all that stuff, like lighting, all costumes, all that stuff. Like they wanted to take Mary to a Janet level like that. Yeah. Um, Britney Spears. I got called to go out with Britney Spears in the beginning. Oh, actually, it was um, Christina Aguilera. Okay. Uh, when she first, when they first was bringing her out, they reached out mm -hmm. to all of us as well and said, you know, we want to do, you know, treat Christina's show like a Janet type thing too. So that Janet and that show, the band, dancers, everybody just raised the bar for everything to come after that. You of know, course. just the approach and everything. Like that show, we were kind of pissed because it, the mix wasn't what we wanted it to be. Okay. Uh, I don't know where the um, the um, it slipped through the cracks between mm -hmm. our sound guy and HBO and all like that okay. or whatever, but that wasn't the full mix of the of the show. Okay. That was a mix that I don't know where they got that from. <laughs> but like you, if you listen back to that and zoom into it, the electronics and stuff are way in the back. Like oh, it wow. sounds like it sounds more like a live band playing Janet covers. Oh, the wrong person mixed it. Oh man. Whoever got a hold of it from our show to HBO, yeah, it, it wasn't done right. But I mean, it was still good. Luckily, still we were tight enough. But all those electronics and stuff should have been way up front. Like they were you, all you hear is live band, you know. Um, yeah. and, and if you had heard Janet in the last few years, all the electronics are right in your face. Like of even course, today, yeah. like how she's doing it now. I wish that how it sounds today was like that then <laughs> yeah taylor says she's basically the reason we have youtube <laughs> oh man yeah, yeah yeah let's go to the last track tay let's go to number six <laughs> i did my homework <laughs> I know, type in the comments, what song is this? Oh, yeah. 
Legendary, man. That was on the Set It Off soundtrack, right? Yeah, bro. Talk to me about that experience. That song is amazing. Man, that was probably my second take on that song because the first take was actually the one. But I don't know what happened. Like, uh, something happened technically uh, in mm -hmm. the studio. So we, I had to do it one more time. But Okay. Man, what made it was you, just... What made you do that intro? That build up. Because I told him I wanted to do something like a Phil Collins type thing to make it really big. Because the way that they had the song before I played it, it wasn't as rocky and stuff like that. It was more real soft, not soft, but it was hip hoppy, you know, mm -hmm. just like real straight. Because yeah. he had a, he had a program happening with the timpanis and everything, mm -hmm. and Chance played piano on it, and that's all I heard before I played on it. And I was like, man, we need to turn this into like a rock song, man. Like, yeah. you know, some heavy, good distorted guitar or something, mm -hmm. you know. Wow. And um, I think that's Tommy Martin. Um, I don't remember exactly how things happened chronologically that day, but it, it happened so fast. I know that. And Tommy came in, um, I think, after I put the drums down. Okay. So I didn't even hear that guitar part until after we finished, you know. Yeah. Um, and matter of fact, because I remember I was in the in the uh, control room when Tommy said, I was like, oh, that's it right there. You know, that's it. That's and, it. And Ray from Organized Noise, he produced the track, you know, so wow. he was just like, oh, my God, this is it. I said, man, let me just do some big fill at the top. You know, we just opened everything up instead of it just being like a little hip hop groove, you know. Did you know it was going to be in a movie? Nope. Wow. Nope. And, wow. and Vogue hadn't sang on it yet. Okay. So you didn't even know who it was for? Nope. Oh, wow. Yeah, it was. So you were just was, in the creative process? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Wow. Now, maybe they knew, but they didn't tell me. Okay. And then I heard it later on afterwards. I was like, yo! <laughs> I was like, that's in Vogue singing that? And it's wow. funny because me and Dawn became friends later on because I was in Lucy Pearl. Lucy Pearl. Pearl. That's a, oh, I need some Raphael Sadiq stories. Oh, man, we got to do part three. Oh, this my is crazy. Goodness. It's John. so much, man. <laughs> but, but, but since you mentioned Raphael, and that's Preston Crump playing bass. And Preston played on most of the organized stuff, all the outcast stuff, mm. you know, like. Preston is the ATL bass player on records, you know, yes, a lot of I'm TLC, sure, yeah. mm -hmm. um, you know, Deborah Killings as well. But um, yeah, Preston is known for all of his his bass lines on on Outkast and everything. So That's Ray crazy. being Raphael being a great bass player that he is, he's he knew who Preston was. He was like he called me one out of the blue one day. It was like, John, I'm putting this group together. I want you to play drums. But I'm trying to find this bass player, Preston Crump. Where is wow. he? And I was like, oh, Preston? Yeah, over here. We're in the ATL. Like, you know, <laughs> he was like, can you find him for me? And then I reached out to Preston. Whatever happened, I think Preston was playing with Citizen Cope at the time. And um, he was like, man, I can't lead a group because I'm, you know, I'm like invested in the band and all. So, you know, Raphael's like, Dang, you know, he wanted, <laughs> he wanted Preston in, in Lucy Pearl. Of course. Um, and then we went and got uh, Elijah Baker, who used to be in Tony, Tony, Tony with him. Mm. No slack. Elijah yeah. kills too, you know. Um, but 
Raphael was looking for Preston. He wanted of course, that sound. That vibe, and you, yeah. I mean, you heard Ra- Raphael play bass, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Amazing. You know, everything, bro. Yeah. <laughs> but his bass playing is, whoo. I mean, Pino, yeah. Pino level. Him and Pino yeah. is like of course. different, you know. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, we could talk about Lucifer and all that stuff later on. But uh, we did one of we my did, favorite bands, bro. Uh. We went out on tour with with D'Angelo that year, and we were on the Voodoo tour with him. I could that do was, a whole episode just about that. <laughs> and that tour, if anybody went on that Voodoo tour, you know what happened. And then we had Slum Village opening up before us some oh. nights. Um, uh, uh, Mad Lib, um, uh, what's his name? Um, Ah, my brain. It'll come back to me. But yeah, each night we would have like different people sit, you know, um, opening up before us, you know. Yeah. Crazy. Crazy. Crazy stories. Yeah, but it was cool being out there with my Philly boys, Questlove, James Poyser, and, um, you know, Pino, of course, and the horn section. Roy Hargrove was still here. Roy Hargrove was still there? Wow. and Russell Gunn was playing next to Roy, you know, and then when Roy couldn't make it after a while, Russell took over. Uh, Frank Lacey was playing trombone, amazing trombonist, you know, yeah. has his own band in, in New York and all. Uh, Jacques, my boy from uh, Berkeley, he went mm-hmm. to Berkeley with me. Jacques plays sax. Yeah. And he's still teaching at Berkeley now. Jacques Swartz, bad cat, real bad cat. Talk to me about the Berkeley experience. Um, I'm going to let you go because we got to wrap it up. Um, okay. Talk to me about you going back to Berkeley and pouring back into those kids. Yeah, um, full circle. I went to Berkeley in 91 to 93 um, before I moved to Atlanta. And just coming back 30 years later to teach has yeah. been a great thing. You know, I love some of the students and then some of the students I don't love as much. <laughs> <laughs> Man, these college kids are something else, bro. I'm sure, like, man. I some saw, of them are talented, and then some of them just got the money. Mm, I know. I, I saw TK. She's an amazing mm-hmm. percussionist. I seen uh, you were killer. That's my girl right there, man. I'm so proud of her. Yeah. I got her on a, um, a TV show, actually, not too long ago before I left school. Um, it was just a perfect opportunity to get her and some of the other her band members from school on this um I think it's HBO maybe or something like that, but you'll see them soon. They're doing like they're playing. They're like a talk show thing with the comedian. Wow. And uh, okay. so they're, they're like the house band for the that situation. Band. That's yeah. dope, man. That's what it's all about, man. Coming back and, and pouring back into the kids and helping them and giving them the game that you have and experiences. And you you didn't just go out and do your thing. You, you're actually reaching back. And that's that's important. Yeah, man. And this is a great opportunity to do it and still, you know, pursue my career, you know, the rest of my career now. Um, But I'm focusing much more on teaching, you know, and I really enjoy it. I'm doing more than just teaching drums. I'm teaching Mm -hmm. full bands and singers. If you've seen some of my posts Mm -hmm. with, you know, some of the kids that I uh, post some of their shows and, you know, things like that. And there's, you know, some of them I really see some great potential with like, like TK, she's, she's already a drum, you know, star. She's a star. Yeah. And she's not even, she hasn't even hit. Wow. The, yeah. the big part yet of, of her career. Like she's what, 24 now? Yeah. Like, oh my God, like no telling what she's gonna do. I'm proud of Monica, uh, Miss Drummer. She's out on tour right now too. That's yeah. another um, basically student of mine, protege. Um, yeah. And I've been pouring into her life for a while, you know, and 
just to see her out there finally doing a tour like she's always wanted to do. She's on like uh, overseas or European yeah, tour or something like yeah, that. Right? She's yeah, she's on the European yeah, tour with I a huge you. artist from from uh, overseas. So yeah, just great to see you know what your seeds you know yeah. how they grow and see the people you know progress yeah. from from things that you've helped them with. So a lot of times, advice from uh, we being elder statesmen in the game, especially you more than me. Um, we give advice or we offer advice. How do you give advice without sounding like a hater to these young kids? Well, if they ask me, they got to know I'm going to tell them how I really feel about it. You know, how yeah. I feel about either their playing or whatever they might be asking me about. Yeah. Um, if they're not ready for the truth, don't ask me. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm not the guy to, to do that with because yeah. I'm going to tell you what I feel like is going to help you, not hurt mm-hmm. you. Yeah. So, you know, some of these kids are very sensitive. So they want to hear what they want to hear, but, yeah. you know, but they ask you mm-hmm. for your opinion, but they really want you to say what they're hoping that you'll say. Yeah. <laughs> it's weird. Yeah, so I I, sometimes I just don't say nothing at all unless they, I let them know. I'm like, look, do you really want to know the truth about my opinion about whatever it is you're asking me? If they say that, I'm like, okay, this is how I feel about it. You know, it could be good. Or yeah. sometimes it might be constructive criticism. Okay. This right. is good, but you need to fix this here whatever you know yeah. or business wise you know um some of them send me songs that they might have created or something mm-hmm. i'm like that's okay you know that's cool you know? and people are sensitive about their stuff so they don't want to hear nobody saying that their thing is whack right. you know and i wouldn't say whack to anybody anyway i would probably just say you know you should work on this here and you know fix this maybe mix it differently or whatever yeah. you know so yeah I, i'm really sensitive to that subject as far as Giving advice to people. <laughs> I understand. It has to be received, right? And I, yeah. brown, I understand. That's, I mean, I had to stop making comments on people's posts as well, too, because, I mean, man, they would take it out of proportion and of just course, it yeah. turn it into something else. So I would, at a, at a, a, lo- a <laughs> while ago, I figured out just don't say nothing at all. <laughs> it's a super sensitive time and era. So I understand that everybody is not from the school that we're from, so they don't understand. The, See, the honesty, say yeah. that we had yeah. people that was telling us the real and it, it, it either made us feel good or, or it made us go back and, and work on and, whatever and work we on need it. to work on. Yeah, exactly. it was no time for us to be crying like the, the our mentor just told us what we're doing wrong. So we should take that and go fix it. Yeah, you know, I understand that, man. Thank you so much for sharing. Thank you for this uh, wonderful interview. I just have two questions for you to close. How important is legacy to you? Oh, legacy is everything, man. Like, like I said, you know, to someone else not too long ago, when you when you die, you leave this earth. Like, what are people going to say about you when you're gone? Yeah. You know, um, what do you care about them saying? Do they do you care about them saying, oh, he was a great musician? Mm-hmm. Was do you care about people saying, oh, he was a great person? Yeah. You know, like what what do you what are you going to leave behind when you when you're not here? You know, so we should be thinking about that every day in our lives when, when we do things, you know, and that's why we have to try to make the right decisions with everything that we do. And yeah. it's not sometimes we fail. You know, we're not yeah. perfect. So we're all human and we make mistakes. So, you know, we just got to remember that people are watching us, you know, yeah. all the time. Anything you do, Chip, me, whoever, like when yeah. we're and, and we're subject to being attacked easily too of course because yeah. the, the the further you get out there and the more popular you get or whatever like that there's always going to be those people on the side it's like 
Right. Uh, he all right. Uh, <laughs> or, or whatever. Or they try to make stuff up about you. I've been through that not too long ago. Uh-huh. Just one of the cat just wants to make up stories about me. And I'm like, oh, okay. Yeah. So that's that's what you feel. Okay, cool. When you're the top dog, they always want to knock you off. So I, I get that. So you're at the top and you've been there for a long time. Um, being seeing that you had a successful career for that spans almost three decades. Um, why, why do you feel, and we'll close with this. Why do you feel people still call you? Um, I think just because they know what they're going to get, you know, just in all areas, they know how I'm going to approach the gig musically Mm -hmm. plan wise. They know the energy that I'm bringing to the situation. I'm always coming with positivity. Yeah. You know, you're not dealing with a diva, you know, as long as I have what I need to, to do what I have to do, I'm fine. You know, um, and of course, as long as the pay is cool. <laughs> of course, right. The bread has got to be right. The business got to be right, you know. Yeah. And I, I make I make um, exceptions for some people that I know might not have the budgets yeah. that I'm used to getting or things like that. So there's some people that I make, you know, uh, I make exceptions for. So it's not yeah. always, oh, you got to pay me this or you can't get me at all. Like that's different situations call for different things to, you know, be flexible for. So sometimes it might not even be about the money for certain situations. Yeah. It might be something later down the line that you see this growing into something else, you know. Okay. But it just all has to make sense. Okay. You know? So it's not all just about the money. And I feel like musicians should not think money first when they're doing stuff. Like mm. sometimes you might get another situation just because of what you did for free for something or yeah. for less money that you would normally get. Something okay. else might have came from that. So right. you got to you got to think about the big picture when you deal with, you know, situations like every situation is different. So you got to act accordingly to that. That's solid advice, man. Thank you so much, man. Where can we find you on social media? Everything's Lil John Roberts, L-I-L-J-O-H-M Roberts. And that's easy. And talk to us about this weekend. What do you have planned shows wise? Where can we find you this weekend? Man, tomorrow I am doing I'm happy to do it to uh, the mayor of Atlanta, the new mayor of Atlanta, Andre Dickens, his birthday, his birthday is tomorrow. So wow. he reached out to me, his people, and um, they asked for me to uh, bring the crew. So I got a band together with some singers and all, and we're going to play a bunch of, um, you know, cover songs. It's the party songs for them to, to have a good time with. So that's awesome. tomorrow. And then I'm going to Macon on Sunday to do the Juneteenth Festival. We did it. Uh, well, we did it the first year before the pandemic happened. Mm-hmm. And then it hasn't happened since then. So we're going back to do it again. I have Trey nice. Gilbert with me and Derek Scott, Phil Davis, um, uh, um, Mino Sanello, who used to play with Miles, is coming from New York to play with me. He's my wow. brother, plays percussion. Amazing. Mino Sanello, look him up. Um, yeah. He's played in Weather Report. He's played in Miles's band. So we're doing a bunch of that music that he was a part of. Uh, so we have a Herbie section, we have a Miles section, and we have a Weather Report section in the show for, for what we're doing for making. That's amazing. Yeah. Dope, 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 dope. Thank you, John. Thank you so much for uh, taking time out of your very busy schedule. You know, you've rehearsed pleasure, and you're playing man. drums every every day. You know, you're so busy. Uh, I my don't pleasure. Take it, I don't take it for granted, man. Um, you're one of my drum heroes, as I told you in a pre- previous episode. Um, and it's just an honor to be able to call on you and talk to you and then for you to support me means the world to me, bro. So thank Absolutely. you so much. My pleasure, man. And yeah, love man. your plan. Love your plan too, man. <laughs> You're kind yeah. too. Thank you. Yes, sir. Thank you. Um, I'll, we have to do part three. 
I, you got to come together. I'll give you a couple months off, but I'll come back and see you. <laughs> All I'll right, that's cool. Yeah, I'll come, I'll come back in the fall, and then we'll do part three because I have a bunch of other questions that I haven't even got to. So um, okay. we'll do part three this fall. Sweet. Thank you, man. I appreciate you, and I'll talk to you soon, bro. Thank you. All right, man. Peace, y'all. Right. Peace. Thank you, everyone, for tuning into part two of episode four of the In the Pocket podcast with me, your host, Chip G. Uh, I'm grateful for everyone rocking with us and just hanging out with us tonight. I know it's game night and everybody's tuning into the game. I'll let you guys go. We will be back uh, June 22nd with uh, Musician Memoirs, episode two, with my friend and brother, my good friend, my brother, Dwayne D.W. Wright. That's right. He will be on the In the Pocket podcast for Musician Memoirs, part two. We're going to talk about life on the road with my guy, D.W. Wright. That's right. D.W. is King Beef. We'll be on the show. So you don't want to miss that. 8 p.m. June 29th. June 22nd, I'm sorry. June 29th. So I will see you guys next week or in two weeks for that episode. Thank you so much for attending. And uh, let's stay in the pocket and find your groove, find your niche, and stay with us. All right. Talk to you soon.